it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the TV Line Podcast. I'm editor in chief Michael Osiello, and I have not one, but two very special guests today. Many of you know them as the brains behind a little TV phenomenon I like to call Gilmore Girls. Their latest passion project, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, makes its nine-episode Amazon debut on Wednesday, November 29th. And the bigwigs at Amazon loved it so much, they gave it an unprecedented season two pickup after seeing just the pilot. I refer to them affectionately as Team Palladino, but they have their own names, and they are Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino. Welcome. Hi, Michael. Hello, Michael. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Uh, it's only eight episodes, though. No, it's pilot plus eight. No, it's pilot no. plus seven. The first season is eight, and the second season will be ten. So it averages out to nine Per, per season. But if you're doing math. It's eight and ten. I totally fracked up my introduction. It's all right. <laughs> it's no big deal. And you got to say the word frack. So it, it all works out delightful. Where did this idea come from, Amy? Um, my father uh, was a stand-up. And so I was sort of raised with a lot of uh, him and his cronies sitting around the backyard talking about the good old days and uh, the village basket house scene and the work in the Catskills every summer and... Uh, I think that I just sort of filed all that away under, hmm, wouldn't it have been nice to have been born in a different era <laughs> and lived uh, during a time which which he made sound very um, vibrant and exciting and, you know, everyone's talking a lot and, you know, I like talking a lot. So it was just seemed like a very um, fun place to set some sort of story. And... When I was meeting with the Amazon dudes and they were like, what do you want to do next? You know, how do we get you to stop shopping and go back to work? I was saying, well, you know, there's there's a little idea about a woman who, you know, is an Upper West Side um, uh, housewife who gets sucked into the Greenwich Village sort of comedy scene. And uh, they said, okay, and uh, here we are. When did the idea, when did you decide... This is what I want to do. Was it during Gilmore Girls? Was it? After- I think it was during the meeting with Amazon. Actually, I don't know that I. I. I mean, I knew I wanted to do something. Um, I missed, you know, after especially, you know, spending time with when we went to the that Austin Madness Festival that we were with the, all the cast of Gilmore and and over the years we'd always like talked about like when things happen in the news it's like ah oh, if Gilmore was still on we could do a great story like you miss that sort of outlet to be able to tell those sort of stories so I know I wanted to do something I just wasn't necessarily exactly sure what it was I knew that a period piece sounded very enticing um, because I just don't want to deal with social media <laughs> and my because it becomes like a story thing it becomes like cell phones and and how do you get the text messages up and do you do it the sherlock way where it comes up over the screen <laughs> or do you have like little animals i mean what do you do so it sort of felt like um uh, to do a, a woman's story also set in the 50s 
um, seemed like a fun way to do sort of a modern woman's journey in a interesting sort of visual sort of world. And also weirdly, we're finding that the, the struggles while there have been strides made uh, in Chickdom, um, well, there's a lot of the same issues going on and that, that weirdly, even though we weren't trying to do like a political show or anything like that, um, yes, I just did air quotes over political, which I'm not quite sure why. Anyhow. Um, it's great for radio too. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> look, I'm a visual medium, okay? So <laughs> that's all I have to say. Um, it, it, there, it translates a lot, her trying to um, be who she is and who she wants to be and yet the, the world sort of telling her, eh, that's maybe is not the way we're looking at you. There's, there's a little bit of that that we're still dealing with today. Could you have ever imagined the political, like when you first talked to Amazon about this, could you imagine that we'd be in the political climate that we are in and that the show would, would resonate so much? Well, there, no, and there, there's an episode, um, episode number seven, um, deals really directly with uh, a lot of the issues, a lot of the expectations of what a woman should do and be and look like if she's if she's taking on certain if she's trying for certain things in show business. So we 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 do tap directly into it, but it's not that this is a new thing that's happening in Hollywood and apparently the rest of the world in politics as well. But it's it's always there and it's always been there. Mm. Comedy is still a uh, stand-up comedy is still a really tough place for a woman to break through. I mean, it's still a re- a real real rough kind of male dominated world. It was rougher back then, but it's still I I think if you ask Sarah Silverman or Kathy Griffin or any of the others, it it's a hard ride. It's hard for guys because it's a tough it's the worst job in the world. It's the worst job in entertainment to go up there mm. and expose yourself like you do when you're a stand-up comic. But it's double hard for women. And that's definitely what we're tapping into in a lot of these episodes. You always hope, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if all the creepy masturbators come out right when our show's coming out? <laughs> Yay! Creepy <laughs> masturbators, please! Um, ew. It was, and it was just, like, weeks of talking about creepy masturbators. And, but, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it was never. We don't do try to. We never have tried to tap into anything. We just sort of sit in our own private Idaho and do our shit. And if it works, can you say shit? I've said it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then the world will reject you, and you will go back to drinking and net a porter. That, that that's fine. I've got I've got a fallback position. <laughs> if it doesn't work, it's drinking. It's one of sugar. one of strength. Yes, <laughs> one of lots of strength there. But um, anyhow, could I, you do this show on broadcast? No. Why? No. Well, not just. And I will put like language aside. It, I think it would be very hard to do anything set in the comedy world without being able to have some language and, and make it feel legitimate. But set language aside. This is not a woman that broadcast television would have any interest in. They, that it, it, I, I really believe that the networks still see women in a very specific TVQ. Um, what do the marketing department want from a woman? Of course, she's strong because we, she's holding a gun. So she must be really strong. The fact that she's running around a crime scene in leggings and high heel boots who, they do that, right? It's like, no, they don't do that. It's like their view of what women are and what a strong woman is 
it's it's just not it's not it hasn't come very far mm-hmm. at all. And also, our style of storytelling has always been a little. It's it's we've never we've never really been ones to be like you know they, there's a big explosion outside and the aliens come in and then they discover a body and then and oh by the way and then there's a love scene for five minutes like our our storytelling has always been a little um, uh, different and I think that the network televisions really want a very specific structure of storytelling. They they cut their episodes up into like it's like deli it's like it's like a sandwich like literally it's like I don't know it's like a hundred and ten two second pieces and then commercial 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 and that that just sort of that doesn't work for our storytelling it it because our storytelling is a little bit more connected a little bit more <clears throat> excuse me um, it's not so event driven and if it's not event driven it's hard to write to those dun 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 moments which you need to then go sell the tampons and then get them back and it's you know I I, I think our days of selling tampons are, are, are over if you don't know how to go out and buy a tampon by now I cannot we, help we you. always reached our quotas though we did we, we were selling, very good selling tampons we moved yeah. those tampons we, we were we were employees of the year four times oh my god they would send us all the girls. plastic applicators it was yeah. delightful mm-hmm I thought you were going to say this couldn't be done on broadcast television because money. Because watching this show, all I see is dollar signs and like $100 bills flying out of the TV. I think that that is true also. I do think that's true also. What was it like to work on a TV show where you could spend as much money as you fucking wanted? (laughs) Okay, now, wait a minute. Hold hold on. (laughs) Where there were no limitations. There were limitations. 15 people in Seattle just fell over dead when you say that. Um, is that where they are, Seattle? Yes. I don't know where they are. Um, but, but the scope of this, like I, at the premiere, it really hit me when I was watching this on the big screen. The, it just looks like, uh, I mean, in the period thing also, I mean, that's not cheap to do. But even beyond that, it just looks, it looks, it's so well produced. Well, we, you know, we got very lucky because um, HBO decided to fuck over vinyl. Thank you, HBO. Um, and and all the vinyl people thought they were picked up for a second oh, season. Right, yeah. And then at the last minute, it was like, psych. So we scooped up all these unbelievably great, talented um, people because they were basically just, they were in shock. They were wandering around New York in shock. And we reeled them in before they could come out of it. Hmm. Um, so we had this creative team and Dana Gilbert, who was our line producer, um, and they came from Boardwalk Empire. They came, so they, they, they know what it takes financially to do a show with scope, with beauty, with period elements. Um, we didn't know. We've been walking girls around Burbank for seven years. You know, we, we don't in a circle, you know, we, we didn't know. And, and they, you know, very carefully and not being, um, assholes about it basically presented us with like this is what it's going to take if you want to walk them outside mm. and not do everything inside on a sound stage this is the money and we presented it to amazon as if that's it folks you know assuming there would be some sort of negotiation and that we would be figuring like because we are you know where we have ptsd from from network television and we're like so what can we give up so can we give up a day of shooting can we do this that's going to mean this because we can give up 
cars or extras or what can we like we were already mentally in the how do we, and and already getting depressed feeling like it's not going to be what we want it to be and amazon basically came back and said we want what you pitched we want what the pilot promises so mm-hmm. go with god yeah and it was it, it was it wasn't like do whatever you want it was still here's the check don't call mom again mm-hmm. you know don't go over but it, you know, we presented them the realistic case. And, and again, these people have done it. They've done it. They understand to go and shut down New York and do the garment district. This is what it's going to cost. We needed a full-time special effects person, which we've never had before, you know, with us as we're shooting. Because even though you dress it and you put sets in cars, you'd be surprised how many like ATM machines and video mm-hmm. cameras that have to be painted out and zhuzhed, like that stuff costs money and you need really great people to do that. And we wanted to hire the best people. I mean, yeah, and, and it was it was really crucial to carry over what we got in the pilot, what we were able to put up on screen production-wise into the series because everyone has seen, everyone has seen many, many pilots that look amazing and then the episodes following it become mm-hmm. people talking in rooms. And everyone, whether people are aware specifically of that or not, everyone is aware of, wow, I was so vested in this. And then now I just find it very, very boring because they tend to really knock you back in in the series. It's like, okay, let's see how we're going to, the pilot was one thing, series is another. So we made sure, and Amazon was fully cooperative in this, that the series is going to look like the pilot. Everything follows through. It's very sumptuous. There's no bottle shows on this show. You know, a bottle show is where you're like, okay, we know we've got a big show coming up (coughs) where we want to spend the money. So we'll do a bottle show. We'll do a really small show where we don't build any sets and we don't go anywhere. You know, they're stuck in an elevator. TV line readers know what a bottle episode Uh is. Okay, great. Of course they do. But like one of the things we said very early is this show will never have a bottle show. There, it will not be a show that we're like, we're going to save this. You know, we, we have to be responsible with the money mm-hmm. and make sure it ends up on the screen, which is the most important thing, that you that you don't just take this money and, and, and dick it away. Or if we do one, we're going to actually build a giant bottle right. that Let they're holding start. inside of. <laughs> and it's going to cost a lot and it's going to look sensational. It's going to be the prettiest bottle mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> Casting. Mm. Rachel mm. Brosnahan. Mm-hmm. I watch this and I can't imagine anyone else playing this part. How did she come to this project? Did you know her before of her? Well, we didn't do yeah, House we... of Cards. You know, everybody, I think anyone who watched House of Cards was taken with the with with her on House of Cards. It wasn't a hilarious part. It was. Yeah, I was going to say, because <laughs> I love House of Cards, but never in a million years would I watch her on that show and think, oh, she'd be great for, you know, it's like, yeah. I, mean, I didn't know she had it in her, like, honestly. Th- I mean, that's that's what the audition process is really there for. And that's why, you know, sh- she came in. You know, when we first heard Rachel, I was thinking, oh, is she going to be someone who is offer only? Because that, that happens if you're Emmy nominated, which she has been. But I think Rachel and and her people really knew that, like, she's never done anything quite like this. So go in and show them what you've got. And we had already seen many really, really good actresses. We weren't sold on anybody, but we had we had potentials. We had we had people that we liked. But she came in and she just in in an old fashioned way she won it. I mean, she just won it. She came in really confident, 
we talked to her about the role. We made suggestions. She did it. She did it a couple of times for us. Yeah, it was we a adjusted. Long we did it. We did the mm-hmm. scenes a few times. We did it this way. We tried this way. We just, you know, we we had a, you know, I I'm I'm I don't understand. It's I think it's an agent driven thing. This concept of offer only because I think that for a part this big, the it puts an actress at an incredible disadvantage to to just take a job that where they have not sat with the director, they have not seen how the director is going to work with them or talk to them or communicate with them. They, they, the director also doesn't know or the producers don't know if they're going to be great in the comedy, but not that this, that like it, it puts, it puts the production in disadvantage, but it puts the act, it puts so much more pressure on an actress because she's going to come in and everybody's going to be like, all right, we paid you the money. Let's see what you can do, which I think is the worst way to go into a production. So, like we were at the very beginning, we said we said there's no offer only on this show. It can't be. Like if the if the actresses won't come in and read, they cannot be in consideration. And and to and to Amazon's great credit, because again, on a network, they would hand you a list and they would mm-hmm. say, well, we're not going to get these people in, so you're just going to. But this is the list that the marketers like, and and it would have been a whole different ball. Or here are the people we have holding deals yes, with. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And this was very. They were like, all right, do your thing, do what you got to do. And and because of that, we got this this wild card who walked in the door and. And basically had, you know, the most important thing that, that Midge had to have is an unflappable confidence. Like she had to come, she just had to be a, a, a core of confidence. And Rachel just walked in the door completely fearless. And I know she'll say, oh, I was so nervous. It's whatever. I've never seen her nervous. You know, I think she, she is a very fearless. She's very much about She's she submerges herself into a part. She asks the questions. She wants to be directed. She wants to like explore and see what's going on. She's a very um, uh, she's a very impressive actress, especially for you know she's eight and a half years old, or however the fuck old she is. I think she's 20, 26 years old. She's so really really impressive, and 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 she's confident in herself. So. There's not a fear of like, I'm going to make an idiot of myself. It's sort of like she knows she had to like throw herself into this if it was going to work. And she did. You know, every now and then she'd be like, how retarded did I look just now? Did I look completely ridiculous? And can I talk to my friends again? And we're like, yes, you looked ridiculous. We're not going to use that take. Or most of the time it was like, no, that that's it was great. And that's how it is. But she's not afraid to go there. And that that's key in a part like this. Alex Borstein was she always going to play Midge's manager? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we, 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 you know, you wanna, you want to make people feel part of the process, especially people who are writing the checks. So we wanted to sort of like, we wanted Amazon to fall in love with her on their own. But the thing is, everybody read the script and went, "Oh, this is for Alex Borstein, right?" Because it's it's Alex. I mean, we wrote it for her, and we've been trying to get Alex back in our life since we lost her. For Sookie, yeah. Um, she's so incredibly talented, and she still she still keeps asking. If you wrote it for me, why did I have to come in and audition? I know. I know. <laughs> she's still she's like yeah, but I had to come in and audition. We like, had oh. her come in. What was great is that we had her come uh, again. It's best. It's always best for people at Amazon, some of whom are in Seattle, to. Be a part of the process, 
instead of being told this is what we want this this is what we want and and that's so we we wanted them to feel like they were discovering all these people with us so we had Alex come in and read with Rachel who we had already cast and we saw exactly what those two could we're do gonna be they had this weird chemistry it was really really crystal clear on the tape and as soon as the, everyone at Amazon saw it, they were like, "It's Alex! It's Alex! It's Alex!" So that's uh, again, it's w- one of the one of the great things about the audition process when it's done correctly is you have actors come in and read across from each other. So Michael Zegan read with Rachel, uh, Alex Borstein read with read with Rachel, and it tells us a lot about how we can write these characters together going into the future. We start getting ideas for other stories as we see them reading scenes across from each other just in the pilot process. So it's that whole system is, it works when it's done correctly. Yeah, I mean, Meryl Streep is offer only. You're not gonna have Meryl Streep. I want Meryl off book, in the room. I'm sorry, Doing a one-liner. Look, the the Polish accent was great, but of course. What have you done lately? Yeah, what have you done lately? Amy, would you say Alex's character is the most you of any character you've written? Because at least Alex's I... Alex's character. I watch that and I was like, I hear your voice. Because well, because I, she drops so, a lot of F-bombs. That, that, that may, is that what... But it's not it's just... so incredibly cynical and, and <laughs> people. Well, possibly. No, wait, wait. I, I, I think I'm a better judge of this. Oh, okay. Lorelai Gilmore was... That's what he says. ...was Amy, for sure. Because both... I mean, look at Lauren Graham... In, in yeah. real life and Amy they're both very, but don't look at us visually because there's a big difference there <laughs> I look at you visually they're, they're both very smart very funny very opinionated they're they're kind of two peas in a pod Amy wrote this role Lauren came in read for it it was the same thing there were a lot of contenders for Gilmore no winners and then Lauren came in saved the day became more like Gilmore but that that is the person that she's really most most like she's not and, and Lorelai had her faults and flaws, and so does Amy. What? Uh, on the after show, I will list them in great <laughs> oh, detail. Jesus I still Christmas. have an after show. Oh, the May. If we have two hours, I can list them. <laughs> we don't have two hours, no, but, no. but I might create an after show for specifically <laughs> for, that, for that purpose. Um, I want to talk about... Uh, uh, something that when I was sitting at the premiere watching episode two that really struck me and it's um, how you both get so much and I know you directed episode two but I've you know I've seen the first four and you've directed two, you directed well, yeah I directed episode three um, you guys don't get enough attention for your directing like writing you're, you're all about the writing and the snappy dialogue my god the direct like some, the directing in episode two too. like there are a couple sweeping shots like single camera sh- like through the factory so through the sweatshops yeah, yeah. that just is so artful and so wonderful and I, I want to talk to you about being directors and how you sort of learned the tools was it just directing Kilmore Girls you know and it just I don't know it just I don't know what my question is, but go. Yeah, no, we 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 we, lear- we learned it on the job for sure. Like we we, th- there's a famous line that Billy Wilder said, what which was, you know, he became a director. He was a writer for many many years, and he became a director because he got tired of watching directors screw up his writing. So mm. that's sort of the way that we approached it. Like we. We, we we had a lot of great directors on Gilmore Girls, but there were also times when we when we had to babysit the directors and tell them, could you have the actors do this, do that? Could you maybe add this shot? Could you do that? And yeah, there was a lot of like the shot through the pies is great, but the jokes over there. 
you know, uh, because, and a lot of it with us is like knowing where the focus is going to be, you know, because on Gilmore especially, we we didn't have the time to do the ethereal shot through the tree. You know, if people weren't talking over the shot, it was going to be cut because we just don't have the time. I mean, we it's 41 minutes and change and we had a lot to get in. So um, I think that we... We did start initially to sort of protect the episode as best we could. But also, you know, there's a, I mean, I come from the dance world. Dan's very musical. And I think there's a musical element to the way we direct. Um, I personally have a big problem with too much coverage, with too much close-ups. Like, I feel like anyone older than, like, L Fanning should back that shit up because it's like, especially in this day and age of like where you see every pore and every flaw and everything, it's like back it up. Nobody looks good that close. It just doesn't happen. I don't ever want to see up anyone's nose ever again. Like it, there's just too much shots up somebody's nose. It's like I, I had a problem with the Emma Stone tennis thing where I've never, I could tell you what her inside of her nostrils look like because the shots were so close. And I'm like, it's about a tennis player. I want to see her play tennis. Back that shit up. So it's sort of, you know, there's a physicality that, that we just like and and the rhythm and the pace that we um, write these scenes, it, it sort of, to me, it almost dictates a sort of a fluid motion of, of, of the camera should feel easy and should feel vibrant and energetic and, and loose. And we, we you know, we play music a lot you know we we write music into our scripts and then we play it while we're shooting so that the camera motion and the music motion have the same sort of energy together and I think that that's you know it's just dictated by what we do it's it's also watching you know I mean Leslie Lincoln Gladder directed the pilot of Gilmore and she's a she's a choreographer and a lot of her camera just moved and it was like what's that shit you know what's you know it's like watching that the fight scene where they walk in the walk in the in the room and they walk around they turn around and Rory goes in and in that motion it's the first time I ever thought about camera in that way of that camera is a it's it's to me when camera really works it's when you don't even really notice it it's just showing you the story you know, it's a, it's it's an explosion of it's when when I'm aware of like oh that was a cool shot. Sometimes to me that's like that, but I shouldn't be aware that that's a cool shot. Right. I I should be that means I've been taken out of the story and I'm 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 now back here and now you've got to suck me back in and mm-hmm. I I think that that that's sort of our mantra is our camera. That's why it's like our, we live and die by Steadicam. You know, our we have amazing amazing Steadicam monster on. Um, on the on the pilot of this show, and then we had um, Jim McConkie did our series, and um, what's Maceo's last name? Do you, he's he's I don't, I don't just remember. so brilliant. I mean, just like the, the shots that these guys could do, and the great thing about them is you can say, "Here's what I want," you know, and you're waiting for someone to go, "Yeah, we Bishop. can't. You can't get that." Bishop. Bishop. Maceo Bishop. Bishop. Yeah. Maceo Bishop. I mean, he's a monster, and, and I mean that in the best way. Like, there's literally nothing he can't do. Yeah, our our our. We learn from doing. Our film school has always been watching movies, watching TV shows, which um, 
which I think is a great way a great way to learn. It's a, it, it takes it takes a while, but yeah, you know, we're we're definitely of the mind of you should never notice the directing. It should just it should just feel like the story is happening in front of you in the only way that it could be happening. And you should never notice edits. You should never notice camera moves. It should just be all part and parcel of what you're experiencing from from the script and from the actor. And it's finding the right you know DPs to work with because you know lighting is its own art form. And and when you do as many oneers as we do and going through an entire that's that's tough to light because people like you to put somebody in a corner and don't have a move. The reason, you know, and then this, and you get the slash of light and the thing and the glow back here. And it's like, well, so everything looks like a painting, which is great, except that they're in a corner and you're seeing from here up. And, you know, art, art, physicality to me is so important. You know, Rachel acts with her body. You know, it's like there's a there's there's motion that goes on. If we're just showing like this much of we're, we're cutting out half the story and and finding DPs that find that exciting and a challenge as opposed to like I don't want to I want to like you know I don't want to light something that they're walking all the way through I don't want to do that you know and it's like okay well then so it's it's finding the right partners to to sort of like really support what you want to do and the right actors who are game you know it's hard to it's harder to do these scenes that are continuous than just like pick that line up again, pick that line up again, pick that line up again. But then the energy of it, everybody's sort of in it together and everybody's sort of acting at the same level because no one's off camera. They're all sort of like in the game together. It's just the stuff that I love. I I, I love that. I appreciate that. It's, I think it's exciting. I think people, even if people aren't aware that like it's one great shot, there's something about it that they're sort of pulled into. And, and, it's, it's, and it's more fun. You know, writing is solitary and sad. You know, you're in a dark room with your computer staring at you, basically saying fraud, failure, you know, and you're, and, and, and the, you know, it's, it's, you're just like, and I was so young and, and pretty once, and now I'm this. And then you get on stage and you're a part of a community of people and you get to like do some shit. And that is, it's fun. It's fun hanging out with these actors and dealing with them and talking with them. And it's fun, um, seeing how important little things are to people and 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 the, the whole crew sort of like buzzing around it's it's a it's it's sort of a treat to suddenly be part of a group of 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 people all striving to put the same product on together you feel a little isolated as just a writer will you direct every episode no we won't direct every episode but we're going to direct a lot of them i think i think we will always direct most of them you know, and then bring another director because, frankly, it's just a time issue. It's mm-hmm. like we would direct every single episode if we if we didn't if we didn't have to like also be editing and sound mixing and doing all the stuff while we're doing everything else. Like it's it's this isn't like a production where like we shoot everything and then we do post. You know, it doesn't work like that. Like post is happening while we're doing it, so it it it's just physically it's impossible for us to do every episode but we will we will i think we'll, i think we will always write most of them we will always direct most of them i think that's how you sort of keep a consistency there 
you signed an overall deal with Amazon. Um, and then a couple weeks later, all of this sexual harassment stuff started to hit. Amazon got embroiled in it to some degree. Yeah. Um, any impact on your deal? Any impact on your relationship with them? Um, no, we, we, we had actually been dealing with um, people that mostly with people that were not caught up in any yeah. of that. No one we've dealt with has done anything creepy. Uh, it was odd, it, it was odd that, you know, there, there were people leaving for other reasons, too, while we were mm-hmm. in the process of this. It was just there, there's been some change over there's there. There's a shakeup right? over there. But their, but their <laughs> core mission and the couple of people that we've been dealing with directly, none of that has changed. And they've been really, really supportive um, and just, uh, it's, it's, it's actually been a great deal. You know, there, there's really no, there's no such thing as like stability at any production company or studio or network. It just, it, it, everything changes all the time. Um, so we, we never go in thinking we're making lifelong relationships here. It's like anyone could go at any time. So it's, so, so we're kind of used to, uh, m- musical chairs at places like this. Mm-hmm. And the deal includes an out clause to go off and make the Gilmore clause. Gil- the yes. Gilmore clause. Yeah, if we if we if we all come to terms with you know meaning like we sit down with the girls and we have an idea and they're game and they're available and it feels right to all of us, we we can we can absolutely get out to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it suggests the fact that there is a clause that you're you're open to that because I remember when we last spoke. I don't know that you were so open to that. You you were you were so close to the project. It just finished. You even thought of like doing another one. You couldn't even entertain it. So the fact that this clause exists means you're entertaining it. Well, you know, for years we were asked about a Gilmore thing. It was usually a movie. Yeah, usually. And in fact, it was it was a lot of times it was Mike Osiello asking us yeah. about that. Well, <laughs> there was there was there was one point where we actually went to Warner Brothers and talked about the and Warner Brothers had literally no interest in doing a Gilmore movie at all. So we sort of like let it go. And then as time went on, we were kind of like, you know, I, the time has passed and like we're, we're all on to other things. And, and we were actually quite, at the moment, honest when we said we just, no, it's not, no, 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 no. Then we had that, that ATX thing in Austin and we were all together. And it was kind of like a weird moment where everybody was kind of like, shouldn't we, we're all kind of game you know shouldn't we kind of do it now like if, if so the, so we actually put everything into hyperdrive which is hard to do sometimes in the streaming world because they move a little slower they don't they don't move at the same speed that network television moves at because they don't have seasons so they don't have to move that fast and and we were the ones saying it's got to happen right now or it's not going to happen. Because right, right now we got everybody in the same mind space in two months from now, it will not be like that. So you got to move, 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 move. And we kind of forced them to move a little faster than anybody was used to moving. So I, I so just now it, it feels like we'd be idiots to say we are not open to it because we said that before. I, I just, we, we're not saying no because we said no before and then and then it hit us and the ideas hit us and if, if we were to do it like like amy said it would have to be an agreement with with the cast and everybody but also I th- it, it, it's going to be a different format too i mean it's it's going to take some new shape it's going to it's gonna, right. we don't know where we would pick it up we're but but we're, we're we're just sort of open to doing it it's like it's just it's a great group of people it's a great cast and weirdly you know this show 
has just sort of gotten bigger over the years. It's a weird anomaly for us. Like, it's got a, a new generation. We have very, very yeah, people, people, people who are like, not, not my 10-year-old is watching it. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's I'm it's interesting because a lot of shows just, they they just, they're almost instantly forgotten once they're off the air. And this show has weirdly gotten bigger over the years. I think the original fans still like it. There's new fans that came in, especially when Netflix picked it up and, and are discovering it. So, yes, yeah, the streaming world changed the Gilmore landscape for us, quite frankly, mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't think we would have had any interest in going back onto the CW and doing a Gilmore, you know, eight episode. No, yeah. no, not in a million years, not not in this landscape, but being able to do it as, as a as a movie for movies we like the idea of a year of like tying it all in um and also you know i mean in total honesty it was a way to honor ed you know Mm. that none of us really got to say goodbye to him so it i think that was it was important for me anyhow because i felt very i just didn't you know i didn't get didn't get to say goodbye so it felt a way to sort of honor his life in in Gilmore World, and in, in one way that we could. Yeah, it was a very expensive memorial service. It was very expensive. <laughs> yes, it was. It cost a lot, and uh, and I think Ed would have approved of that. Yes, I, I think he would have thought he was worth every penny. Uh, uh, you said different format, so maybe like a two-hour movie kind of thing. Possibly, we've talked. You know, we we two-hour movie or a podcast. We've talked possibly about, a podcast. We've talked about stuff, and but <laughs> nothing has quite stuck. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, and again, it would have to be in conjunction with our ladies because it's it's you know the one the really true wonderful thing about doing the four movies was being able to just be with those people again. You know, just hang with Lauren and hang with Kelly and hang with Sean Gunn, dra- drag him in from Atlanta or wherever he was, was filming Guardians of the Galaxy and see Liza Wild again. You know, it just it was just a real like it was fun being with those people so um so they would need to they would need to want to walk the walk again if it, if it was bad yeah i mean the, the original series it there was so many episodes and there was so much work and amy and i were doing so much of it ourselves that i i think uh, uh, all of us kind of forgot to have fun at certain points yeah totally forgot so, to have fun. so we were able to come back and we really just had fun on this which was really great it was just a great bonding experience with everybody I did an an editorial on TV line shortly after the revival premiered saying uh, it was very controversial (laughs) saying that I don't want anymore Gilmore because I felt like it was perfect I felt like the ending was perfect I didn't want anymore I changed my mind now (laughs) and and here's why I changed my mind and here's why it needs to come back oh my god all right are you ready yeah because Lauren Graham needs to get a fucking Emmy nomination for this character. Yes. Oh my God, you have no idea. I'm so the one like really heartbreaking thing about this was I thought, okay, we'll come back, we'll go on Netflix. It, it's going to be movies. It's going to be classy. We gave her so much to do so that she could show everything that she is, and it just didn't. You know, nobody th- nobody thinks of Gilmore that way. You know, yeah. they just never did. The Academy's never thought of it as anything that was award caliber which is you know whatever short-sighted stupid dumb i'll say it it's just it's it's for there was so much work done by these actors 
not just Lauren, but you know Alexis and Kelly Bishop. It's yes. like it's it's it just it was a real. It was the one thing about the movies that when Lauren didn't get that recognition, it's like what the does this girl need to do mm. to to get the recognition that she deserves? Our, our stuff has often fallen in between categories. Like we're not a com- like we don't write comedies like Kimmy Schmidt or Big Bang Theory, but we're also not dramas like Sopranos and Breaking Bad. We're something in between, and I think that's always confused the Emmy voters because um, Lauren was abs- it, they, Even they said she's absolutely someone who should at least get a nomination but she always fell through the cracks it was always very frustrating for her. i also think being on the wb didn't help mm-hmm. i think it was mm-hmm. considered a teeny bopper network and a teeny bopper show um and that's why i was hoping the netflix thing would help would outweigh would that outweigh mm-hmm. that but you balance know, it out mm-hmm. but it didn't it just didn't and 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 people just sort of you know i i don't know I, 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 you know, we're, we're awards for us are like, it's one less chicken dinner that we had to have, but I do feel like Lauren so deserved this, her, her work and who she is and this part, it's, it was a little annoying, I got to admit. So you need to come back. And by that time, there will be a dramedy category Mm -hmm. for the Emmys. You think so? Yes. It's three or four years when you come back with the standalone movie. Then we can come back. And and then it'll be like, oh, that Rachel Brosnahan, if we could just get her for the rest of our lives, we're going to be like on our deathbed. The Susan Lucci of the Emmys. Um, So uh, before we wrap up, I want to add, did you guys meet on Roseanne? Mm -mm. You, You met before Roseanne? I was on Roseanne. He was not on Roseanne. And well, he, well, he worked on Roseanne. Right, but later. Right, oh, God, later. Different time. You missed yeah. each other. I was there like three, four, five, six, and then I think you were like eight, nine. Yeah, something like that. And something yeah. like that. So like we 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 were introduced by her her old writing partner, who I was on staff with at the time. So she said, "Hey, I've got this friend." Yeah, I had a writing partner the first year on Roseanne, and then we split. But we were stayed friends. We split as partners, and she left Roseanne, and I stayed there. And she went and she worked on something with him and yeah. said, hey, there's this guy. He's too weird for me, which is exactly what she said. But I think he'd be really good for you. She Why? was right. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was right. Yeah. That you were too weird for her? I don't know about the weird thing. Yeah. You did something weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to do a whole nother podcast about your love story. Because it's fascinating <laughs> oh to me, and, you, and uh, I'm, I have I have actual questions. I want I want to know so many things. But this was leading to a question about the Roseanne revival on ABC. Uh-huh. Uh, did they approach you about being involved? No. Uh, what do you think of the revival? I, you know, will you watch it? Yeah. It will probably. I, it's yeah. re, you know revivals are revivals are, are, are tricky. Yeah. I mean they're you know, they're tricky because you're 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 dealing with things that people. People have sort of made these shows their own, and there's a lot of memories, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, emotional attachment to the show. So you're kind of screwing around with their stories and their characters. So you have to approach it very carefully. It's it's a little fraught. I mean, people are watching Will and Grace. You just have to sort of do it right and try to guess what people want, and and it 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 could work. I mean, look, you know, there's there's. Lori Metcalf, John Goodman, um, and Roseanne together mm-hmm. in their prime 
when they're really gelling, there's kind of nothing better than that. You know, I was very disappointed with the way Roseanne ended because mm-hmm. I felt like it went it went into this weird farcical like make believe world of the winning the lottery and trains and Steven Seagal is sort of like that's that was never to me what Roseanne was. It was about you know. Darlene gets her period Mm -hmm. and they all have to deal with it. You know, Becky accidentally farts in class and it's like that to me, it was those small moments in a family that were just blown up into what they are when they happen in a family. They feel like the most important thing in the world. That to me was the wonderful thing and the soul of Roseanne. So when it started to get so wackadoodle and kind of go off the rails. And I know she was bored at that time and mm. she'd been doing it for nine years. And I get it. Like, I get why it's like, let's just do this. Let's like, let's throw, let's all throw it up in the air. I understand why, but then they killed Dan off. And I don't know, there's just all this stuff that I sort of, so in, in that way, I think if they could recapture to me the soul of what Roseanne yeah. was, that might be really great and interesting whether or not they can do it i i don't know but certainly that that it certainly the talent is there mm-hmm. certainly the you know because i just remember as it was my first job i mean how spoiled was i that i got to go down to run throughs every day and just watch them work and watch them work out their scene and the, the it was just it was like it was the best training in the world everything my entire career was formed off of that first gig so i i'm very I, I just I feel very um, tied to that show, so it's going to be very emotional. That was my introduction to you because I was obsessed with Roseanne, my, my favorite really? comedy of all time. And and seeing your name when you wrote an episode, I knew it was going to be a good one. Yeah. Like that that because it was like, oh my god, it's an Amy Sherman episode. This is going to be a great one. Well, we got lucky because we got you know because the thing is we were the girls on the show, so we got handed like the birth control episode. Because rightly so, they thought, well, the two chicks should write the birth control. That they're they're probably on it. So you know, none of the men, none of the men are currently taking the pill. So let's give it to the girls. So we got handed some really, we got handed a lot of the Becky dating stuff and stuff like that, which was so rich for Roseanne because you know it's all about the mothering and the how you deal with your kid. So we we just got we got very lucky that we got handed some prime. Um, and I got handed some prime uh, stories to deal with. So, Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.